police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. And plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator today, Gabby Gabby, and the other host of the show, Todd Fox. And we're here live breaking it down to you, bringing you another episode. But before we do, let's let you guys know where you can find us. You can get a hold of us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, all those good things. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast, and there you can find some of our previous recording, as well as our last two recordings of our show that we're going to get into. This is going to be, well, I'll let Todd break that down. What are we about to get into, Todd? Jeffrey Dahmer, Part 3, and uh, listener discretion advice for many reasons and also, if you're eating something, I'd highly recommend against it. Absolutely. <laughs> because uh, from the last two episodes that Gabby broke down, it's very, very disturbing. So, uh, yeah, with that all said, without further ado, let's break it down. Part three. All right, guys. So we left off with us, you know, stupid cops in every case we've done. Stupid cops that let somebody get away and more things happen. Do you guys remember the case we were on? Yeah. This 14-year-old, his last name's a little difficult. His last name was Synthasmphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for whoever missed last episode, catch up on that. Guys, why don't you tell our listeners what we left off on? Well, we left off on a 14-year-old who had a possibility of living. But uh, the police officers showed their true colors, and uh, they they lacked very, very much brain cells on that last one. Yeah, they pretty much let him go back into the house with the person causing the damage to his brain, which he had suffered a drill to the head with uh, what kind, was it acid that was put put in his head too to make him like zombie like. Um, no, he, um, injected, I forgot what it's called, but it was like a a chemical that he was trying to inject hydrochloric acid. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, he injected that into his head. And as you guys know, although the three women out there were trying to save him, the cops didn't listen and going inside the house, they didn't even see the other dead body that he already had in the bedroom. So... And they just looked in there and said, "Oh, yep, doesn't smell that bad. You're you're free to go. Here's your here's your boy." Yeah, it would have been as simple as like the information says. If they had checked his background, they would have known he was a child molester. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately for the boy, he didn't make it. 
and the following day we know he took off from work so that he can dismember those bodies which was Hughes and the 14 year old boy mm-hmm. that's on phone so from there let's continue on to the next one on June 30th Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he encountered a 20 year old Matt Turner at the bus station Uh-oh. Matt Turner actually accepted his offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot But as usual, at the apartment, he drugged him, he strangled and dismembered Turner, and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in the freezer. Turner was not reported missing. Five days later, July 5th, he, Dahmer also alerted 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar. He took him to his apartment, uh, promised of spending that weekend with him. But of course, he drugged him as well, and He injected boiling water through his skull twice. He sent him into a coma from which he died two two days later. Imagine that suffering. I mean, you know, you're in a coma. You're like, you're like in the state where you can't move, you can't speak, you can't react, right? But a lot of times, people in a coma can actually hear. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he could still think. I'm guessing to a certain extent because boiling water through your skull, that's that's just that's just not and that's yeah. sad too that they were that the other guy wasn't reported missing, like you know my my thing is at this point, there's no I mean, even the grandma could figure out guys were coming to his house in your previous story, like from the episode one. How mm-hmm. come in this apartment complex no one was noticing guys coming but no one leaving? Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, they were so concerned with the smells and stuff, you would think somebody would be watching him. Yeah. Yeah, that makes no sense. Wow. So, after that, on July 15th, so, we jumped 10 days. Mm-hmm. 10 days later, he encountered a 24-year-old, Oliver Lacey, at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Mm-hmm. Lacey agreed to um, post nude for photographs. For Dahmer and accompanied him to his apartment as well. They engaged in tentative sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion, though, he intended to prolong the time he spent with him while he was alive. So he didn't want to kill him right away. But unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey into unconsciousness with chloroform, he phoned his workplace to request a day's absence, and it was granted again. (laughs) Although the next day they suspended him from work, finally. Well, good. <laughs> so after he strangled Lacey, he had sex with the corpse before dismembering him. Wow. Oh. So he placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and his skeleton in the freezer. Ugh. Four days later, he received word that he was fired. So when he found out that he was fired from work, he decided to lure somebody else into his home. A 25-year-old Joseph Braidhoft. And he was strangled, left dying on his bed, covered with a sheet for two days. Wow. On July 21st, he removed the sheets, and the head was covered in maggots already. So he ended up decapitating the body, cleaned the head, okay? And he placed it in the fridge still. Later on, he acidified his torso along with those, the other two, the previous ones that he had killed that month. Wait, so he... <clears throat> he had maggots in his apartment. 
That means there's all kinds of flying creatures and stuff in there. Oh, you imagine the stench? You imagine the smell. Oh, that's disgusting. And he's like, well, I don't, I can't waste that meat. Let me throw it in the freezer. Yeah, Jesus. that's disgusting. Go clean it. I'm going to save the skull. Like, oh, my God. So this was the end of his killing. This was the end. This was it. Now we're going into how he was captured. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Moment I've been waiting for. Y'all already know. <laughs> can can I guess how he was captured? <laughs> no. <laughs> like like he slipped on a banana pill in front of the police station and like pictures and all kinds of artifacts from the missing people were fell out of his his uh pockets and then a, a cop happened to be like wait a minute <laughs> he gave himself in yeah he just turned himself in right uh, uh, <laughs> I, I hope he did something where it was just, he was caught in the act of, not not to say i hope he was caught in the act of, don't don't wish death on anyone but i just hope something happened to where he was just caught red-handed that's what i'm hoping all right. Well, you'll find out now, babe. All right. On July 22nd, 1991, he approached three men offering $100 so they can accompany him to his apartment to post nude, post nude right? Mm-hmm. And keep him company, drink beer, whatever. One of the trio, Tracy Edwards, he's a 32-year-old, actually agreed to go. When he entered the apartment, he noted a foul order and boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor which Dahmer claimed that he used for cleaning bricks. After a minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish, and then he placed a handcuff on the wrist of the guy. When he asked what's happening, Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to to cuff his wrists together. Then he told him to accompany him to the bedroom to pose nude for pictures. Once they were in the bedroom, Edwards noted nude male posters on the wall, and a videotape of The Exorcist 3 was playing. Ooh. He also noted there was a 57 blue gallon drum in the corner from which the strong order was coming from. Mm. Dahmer brandished a knife and informed Edwards that, if he, that he intended to take nude pictures of him. So in order to appease him, he unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do so if he took the handcuffs off and put a knife away. So Dahmer turned his attention toward the TV, and what do you guys think he was doing? Probably masturbating. I would have to say so. No, he was rocking back and forth. Rocking? Oh. And what? So he was chanting and rocking back and forth while he was watching The Exorcist. Yeah, that's a sign of get out of there. Matt put that. That's a sign of uh, get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, (laughs) man. So this creep placed his head on Edward's chest to listen to the heartbeat. And with the knife, he pressed against his intended victim. He told Edwards that he intended to eat his heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he continued attempting to prevent Dahmer from attacking him. So Edwards repeated that he was his friend and he was not going to run away. Then he decided he was going to either jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door upon the next available opportunity. So he was pretending he was on his side, you know, but already thinking what, how to get out of there. When Edwards 
stated that he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning. Dahmer actually consented that and they walked to the living room where Edwards exited the bathroom. Inside the living room, he waited until he observed Dahmer have a momentarily lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. And then Edwards rose from the couch. He noted that Dahmer wasn't holding the handcuffs, so Edwards punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance and ran out the front door. So wait, he wasn't handcuffed or he was? He was handcuffed, but he had convinced him to remove the handcuffs or he wouldn't pose for him. Oh, okay. okay. So he said, I'll pose for you. That's fine. But you got to take the handcuffs off and you got to put the knife away. Okay. So got he it. stayed calm and like complied and, hey, let's do yeah, this. Hey, let's go hang him. in the living room, you know? Yeah, Give me a beer. So this guy was smart. Yes. So he escaped. <clears throat> Sounds like the only <throat> smart victim so far. Yeah. Yes, it's so sad. So at 11.30 p.m., July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two police officers, Robert Roth and... Rolf Mueller, not the stupid cops that we talked about earlier, <laughs> at the corner of 25th Street. They saw that he had a, one handcuff attached to his wrist. He explained to the officers that a free cap placed the handcuffs on him and asked the police if he could remove them. When the officers' keys failed to fit the handcuffs that Dahmer put on him, he agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where Edward stated he had spent previous five hours before escaping. So the officers arrived at the apartment and Dahmer invited them inside, acknowledged that he had placed the handcuffs on Edward, although he offered no explanation why he did that. But Edwards divulged to the officers that Dahmer had also brandished a large knife on him and this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer didn't say anything to that. So he indicated to the officers like, Officer Mueller, that the key to the handcuffs was beside the dresser. That's all he said. When he entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to pass Mueller to himself to retrieve the key, but the second officer informed him to back away. So he told him where the key was and he was trying to take it away. Well, he's clearly hiding something. Mm-hmm. So already in the bedroom, Mueller, one of the officers, he noted that there was a large knife beneath the bed. So they knew that was true. He saw an open drawer, and he saw that it, it um, contained scores of Polaroid pictures, and many of them were human bodies in different stages of dismemberment. Oh, jeez. He noted the decor indicated that there had been taken in, in that apartment where they were standing. Then he walked to the living room to show him to his partner, uttering the words, these are for real. Wow. So when Dahmer saw that he was holding the pictures, he fought with the officers in an effort to resist the arrest, but they quickly overpowered him and cuffed him. Mm. They called a squad for backup. At this point, the officers opened the refrigerator where they saw the severed heads of, of a black male at the bottom shelf. And then he turned his heads toward the officers, Dahmer did, and he muttered the words, for what I did, I should be dead. Yeah, pretty much. So that pretty much, that was it. That was his confession, you know? That's, um, I mean, imagine those cops. I mean, they're in Milwaukee. Like, the worst they could probably deal with is maybe, like, you know, drugs on the street, you mm -hmm. know, bar fights, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a homicide here and there. But they're, 
two beat cops actually finding a mass murder, like one of the worst murders in like American history. I mean, well, <laughs> they bring him back to the police off, you know, the police office, and then like the two cops that were that said, "No, he's a good guy." They're all like, "Hey, I I know you. That's that that's that nice guy with a fourteen year old boy." Yeah, that's that nice guy. <laughs> What's what he doing, doing here? <laughs> I hope those two got fired. I hope so, too. Oh, sweet. Mike, I hope so, too. <laughs> These cops deserve a medal. <laughs> yes, for actually doing their job. Doing their job, yeah. investigating. So they <laughs> searched the apartment. They conducted a criminal investigation. And what do you guys think they found? I believe they found human remains. They probably found, what, bones? Uh, skins, all kind of body parts. Yeah, I think they. I think they found some eaten stuff too. So they did find a total of four severed heads in the kitchen. Wow. A total of seven skulls, some painted and some bleach, in the bedroom and inside the closet. They also discovered collected blood drippings on a tray at the bottom of the refrigerator, plus two two human hearts. Oh. And a portion of arm muscle, each wrapped inside plastic bags on the shelves. Ugh. In the freezer, they discovered an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Oh. <sighs> okay, my, my thing is this. You know, uh -huh. like they always put, like, for Valentine's Day, a heart's like a heart shape. You know what I mean? Like... Mm. The real heart is like a sack almost, and it's got the artery valves hanging out of it. It doesn't look like a, a heart you'd give your girlfriend or wife or whatever. Yeah. You know? And to for That's that to cool. be for that to be hanging out like that, and then the heads and all this other, I mean, any one of those cops, investigators, whatever. I mean, that has to be to this day if they're still alive in their minds. I mean, I, oh, absolutely. How can you not think about that? Absolutely, I don't man. think they could ever stop having flashbacks to what they saw. I would have puked. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ugh. So in the rest of the apartment, they discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, mm. two severed and preserved penises. Oh, of course. A mummified scalp. What? And a 57-gallon drum, three dismembered torsos dissolving the acid. Oh, a total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found also. So in reference to that, to the recovery of the body parts, the chief medical examiner said it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. Jeez. Wow. My thing is, how could, how could he live with all that body parts in there he's sick he's, he's got a demon and he got like oh i mean he was he watching the exorcist and was chanting he was he has a, a demon inside of him absolutely or that is totally the work of satan otherwise like no if satan was not working in you you would not be capable of doing jesus like that. christ i mean i want to know how he how he went to bed at night you know like some of those TV shows, how you hear them say, Good night, Jin. Good night, Lisa. Good night, so and so. He say, Good night, skull number one. Good night, skull number two. Torso number three. Good night. He, he probably he probably did talk to him. He probably named them too. The creep probably slept on the bed with the he dead probably, body. Exactly. Uh, he was sick. 
That's oh. disgusting, dude. Yeah. That guy probably had no sense of smell because that, how the oh, heck yeah, yeah, survived yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're finally moving into his confession. Good. <laughs> Beginning July 23rd, 1991, he was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy about the murders that he committed and all the stuff they found in the apartment. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later another detective, Patrick Murphy, they conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer. And then combined, how many interviews, how many hours do you guys think they spent interviewing him? Hours? Uh, he's killed several people, almost 20. I'm going to say he, they spent like maybe 12 hours interviewing him. What do you think, Todd? I think it had to at least take a couple weeks. Right? It totaled over 60 hours. Yeah, yeah I can see that. He waived his right to have a lawyer present throughout all the interrogations, adding that he wished to confess all he had created this horror, and it only makes sense that I do everything to put an end to it. Wow. Those were his words. So he admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987 with the one further victim, Stephen Hicks, who he killed in Ohio back in 1978. Wow. So most of his victims were rendered unconscious prior to the murder, although some died having a uh, result of having the acid or the boiling water injected in their brains. Ugh. And as you guys know, he had no memory of the murder of Tuomi. Remember, he woke up and saw him dead. He didn't know whether he beat him to death or... Oh, the, the one that had like the caved in chest and all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Oof. So... He just like thought of maybe what he had done was to got him drunk and led him unsuccessfully to attempt to tear his heart from his chest. Wow. That's what he could imagine he was trying to do. But almost all of the murders he committed after he moved to Oxford Apartments involved a ritual, you know, of posting the victims and positions. And it says typically with the chest thrust outwards prior to the dismembering of it. Ugh. So he admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of the victims' bodies, including performing sexual acts with them. And he dismembered the bodies in the bathtub. Much of the blood that pulled inside the victim's chest after death, he removed the organs, then suspended the torso so the blood could drain into, into the bathtub before he diced any of the organs that he didn't want to keep. And then paring the flesh from the bodies. Wow. The bones he wished to dispose were pulverized or acidified with Soilex or bleach solutions or used in the aid to preserve the skeletons or the skulls he wanted to keep. He also confessed to having consumed the hearts, what? livers, biceps, and portion of thighs of several of the victims within the previous oh. year. Oh. So he ate hearts, livers, biceps, and thighs. He liked dark meat. What is it? Like, <laughs> it even leaves me like, what in the? Like, who would, okay. Like, I... What is so appealing and so pleasing about eating people's organs? And then it's like, if you're into organs, that's one thing, but pieces of thighs, like what? 
oh let me let me save these thighs these thighs are nice i'll eat them later like who the hell goes like how does I that cross your mind I don't even, do you think it was a sexual turn on or do yes. you think it, of course like but how how is eating all of that flesh, gave him pleasure but how is eating flesh so flesh? <clears throat> this all goes back though if i you know, i'm not a licensed psychiatrist by no means Okay. But just to me, it, it just screams out like when Gabby was describing him as a child, like, you know, putting the dog against the tree and and looking inside the the bodies of those small animals to see what made him tick or the, the organs or whatever, that yeah. that was probably like she said, the, the sexual gratification. That's your first experience with sex. And that's why, like, I was scratching my head right away. Like, like OK, he knew he was gay, but his first real sexual experience he killed the dude so like that's part of it man and that just followed him into adulthood that's ugh, yeah creepy yeah maybe so maybe so but i guess it's like a confusion huh like he felt pleasure out of doing that and figured oh that goes in line with a sexual pleasure yeah but come on i i get it he probably thought what he was doing was normal but well, he knew he wasn't if you do that multiple times, something in your mind is telling you that this is okay for me. He said himself he deserved to die for all the things. He yeah, did. you say that after you're caught. But when it was happening, he probably didn't care about consequences because he felt like this is... It, obviously, he felt this was normal to him. That's just... That's my thought. I don't know. It's just sick to think of it. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's just... That's behavior that I don't think anyone, you know, you've seen maybe a case here, a case two around the world, but that was, I know that grabbed the world's attention. Yeah, like, that's insane. Like, not to get into details, but do you think, like, he boiled the flesh before he ate it, or did he just cut it open and, wow, like... He was a cannibal. He just ate it like that. That's nasty. He just ate things. Sorry. So... <laughs> Ching. Sorry. I know. <laughs> so his description of all this, he said he had been completely swept along. This is what he said. He added, it was an incessant and never ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good looking, really nice looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. Mm -hmm. When they asked him why he preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, he stated that he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victims, skulls, which he had intended to display on the black table located in his living room where he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. So it was like a show to him. Yeah, he was going to make like a total display, an altar of all the skulls. Yeah. So if you were to walk in and he'd be like, hey, you want to pose nude? And you see actual skulls there. I'd be like, no. Like, no, sir. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I want to know, like, did he use tarps, like, like to clean things up? Because I, I heard his apartment had carpet. So, I mean, was there blood stains on the carpet? I mean, well, he said he used, well, he, he cut them in a tub, of right? Chemicals, but yeah, he would cut them up in the tub. Oh, in the tub, uh, yeah. But, That's why he would strangle them to avoid the spill of the blood. All that the makes carpet. sense. That makes sense. Okay, okay, I see now. Okay. Except the one he. Well, the ones he beat, remember, those were at his grandmother's garage, so uh, he didn't yeah, have to yeah, worry yeah. about carpet. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was a basement. Yeah, it was like a basement. Oh, garage. okay. My question is this, though. 
Now, that last person, Mr. Edwards, whatever, as soon as he walked in, he noticed a smell. He was the only one, I'm not trying to call anyone dumb or anything, but he was the only one to cap to think about it that something don't smell right in here. That's not regular foul smell. My question is, why didn't nobody else catch on to that? Because you got to remember the intentions of all these boys or guys he was picking up. Yeah. They all had intentions for sex and stuff. They weren't paying attention to that. They were going to drink and have a good time. That's true. He did target young kids. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So they went in with that purpose. Immediately, they started getting drunk, and he would sedate them with the pills. So it's not Damn. like they even had a chance to look around and see something wrong. So as soon as you walk in, here, here's a drink. <laughs> oh, thank you. Pop a few pills in there, and it was well, a wrap. Yeah, commonly, if somebody invites you to their house, you're going to walk in, sit on the couch. You're not going to go investigate their house. Yeah, I you mean, don't investigate a smell though. No, but I mean, who knows? He's the guy. I, I know, I know, but like I said, for those who smell dead bodies, boy, dead, you know that smell. You know dead flesh. But for those who don't, don't have a clue. That's what's going true. On. That's true. Yeah, maybe he just had bad hygiene. That, we, that we, might be true too. You know, because some people some he had people, a fish tank. Maybe people thought, yeah. oh, the fish tank stinks. He could have said that. Oh, that's my fish tank. Yeah. So you got some smelly hygiene. fish there. Yeah. So you guys want to know his twisted way of what he was going to do with the skeletons? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the display of the skulls was going to be adorned to each side with a complete skeleton. The ones of Miller and Lacey. The four severed heads in the kitchen were going to be removed from all the flesh and used in the altar and the skull of the one future victim. Mm. And since sticks were going to be placed at each end of the black table above which Dahmer intended to place a large blue lamp with extending blue globe lights. The entire construction was going to be placed on a window covered with a black opaque shower curtain in front, which he intended to sit in a black leather chair. Wow. To stare at it. Okay. When he was asked November 18, 1991, he had an interview. He was asked who the altar was dedicated to. He said, myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. Yep. He further described his intended altar as a place for meditation. Yep, he's crazy. So apparently from that, he could gain a sense of power. And he added, if his arrest hadn't happened six months later, that's what they would have found. Wow. So he had a plan for all those severed heads and everything. And it was basically for a, a showy display of himself of his power yeah for himself so he could sit in his black chair with the black cloth and all of the things he had done and just meditate on it he had a demon (laughs) (laughs) so he got indicted on july 25th 1991 he was charged with four counts of first degree murder by august 22nd he had been charged with a further 11 murders he committed in wisconsin and on september 14th he uncovered, they uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in the woodland behind the address where he confessed to have killed his first victim mm. in Ohio, which was Hicks. Um, they identified two molars in the vertebrae with the x-ray records of Hicks. So they knew that was him. Wow. So days later, he was charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks's murder. He was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor with the murder of Tuomi. What? He was not charged with Tommy's murder because the county district attorney brought charges where murder could be proven beyond reasonable doubt. 
Yeah, okay. And since he had no memory of actually committing that murder. Wow. Where there was no physical evidence the crime existed. Because remember, he got rid of his body completely. He didn't want to keep it. Mm-hmm. At a scheduled preliminary hearing on January 13, 92, he pleaded guilty but insane to 15 counts of murder. I'm not buying that. It's like, okay, so he can't remember what happened, but he could remember. He's been killing all these people. He wakes up next to the body, already beaten to death. And you're going to tell me he didn't do it. The justice system says you have to be proven guilty with unreasonable doubt. That is ridiculous. So, Todd Meschke, do you think he was proven guilty on that case? Unfortunately, like for the people like she just described, those families won't get their comeuppance. But with everything they had, yeah, I mean, obviously they had way more evidence than anyone usually has in a regular murder. Mm-hmm. But But there are the victims that sometimes district attorneys like i seen a case one time where the people had killed 20 people but were only convicted of nine and the 11 people i mean technically those cases aren't left open they're solved but they don't get the closure like they're not like with the other families that get to say okay well this mass murder killed our family member you know what i mean like yeah he's not charged with it now, now here's my thing. I know the justice system that says you have to prove someone guilty and blah, blah, blah. Here's my thing. In those cases, like the one you just brought up, I would just give him the murder. It's just evident. Even though you don't have the evidence, it's clear. Like, like anyone with a brain could see that this person killed those other 11 people. So to give the clarity of those family here, you know what? He did it. Well, maybe the body of Tommy it, it fell apart and dug itself a grave, and and you know, right where Dahmer told it was was going to be at. You know what I mean? But uh, cops couldn't prove it. I mean, they well, have everything laid out, but you know, it's so stupid though because they wanted to have proof. But here you have the murderer confessing to have been with that man, exactly. confessing to you he woke up next to him dead. Yeah. What more do you need? Like you don't need the proof of how it happened because he can't remember how it happened. But it's obvious he was there. So what what are you going to say? The guy just disappeared and they never found him? You have to prove within the uh, reasonable doubt. But it's so dumb. The guy already confessed. What more do you need? Yeah, and I would go to the detectives that are working that case and be like, well, what leads do you have? I mean, have you you found this dude anywhere else? Because this guy (laughs) knows exactly where he was. So even if you don't have the body, I'm pretty sure he disposed of it. Yeah. He was he was alive when he got so to the house. Like, oh, okay, so don't be unfortunate enough where somebody kills you and dismembers your body, bashes your bones until they're pulverized, and then dissolves you in acid because you're not going to get justice. Too bad. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at his trial, which began January 30th, 1992, okay. he was tried in Milwaukee for the 15 counts of first-degree murder mm. before Judge Lawrence Graham. He pled guilty January 13th to the charges they brought against him. He had waived his rights to an initial trial to establish guilt. The issue debated by opposing counsels at Dahmer's trial was to determine whether he suffered from a mental or personality disorder. Mm. The prosecution claimed that any disorders did not deprive him from having the ability to appreciate the criminality of his conduct. I agree. Or to deprive him of the ability to resist his impulses 
The defense argued that Dahmer suffered from mental disease and was driven by obsessions and impulses. He was unable to control. Nope, not buying it. So the defense is trying to find him mentally unstable. You know, he can't control his actions. Not buying it. They argued that Dahmer was insane due to the necrophilic drive, his compulsion to have sexual encounters with corpses. So Dr. Fred Berlin, which was on the defense team, testified that he was unable to conform his conduct at the time and he committed the crimes because he was suffering from paraphilia or necrophilia. necrophilia. Dr. Judith Becker, a professor of psychiatry and psychology, she was the second expert they called for the defense. She also diagnosed him with necrophilia. And then the final defense expert that testified was Dr. Carl Wallstrom. He diagnosed him with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, what? I have never heard this word before, but it's like a sociopath, psychotypal personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and psychotic disorder. So they're just trying to find outs for him. Yes. They're saying he is twisted in the mind and it's not his fault that he can't control himself. Nope, not buying it. The prosecution rejected that argument that he was insane. The forensic psychiatrist, Philip Bresnick, testified that Dahmer did not suffer from primary necrophilia because he preferred live sexual partners, as evidenced by his effort to create unresistant, submissive sexual partners devoid of rational thought and to whose needs he did not have to cater. Another prosecution expert testified that to his belief, Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time that he committed the murders. He described him as calculating, cunning individual, able to differentiate between right and wrong with the ability to control his actions. He did state that his belief that Dahmer suffered from paraphilia. His conclusion was that Dahmer was not a sadist. Wow. Final witness to appear for the prosecution was the forensic psychiatrist, Park Beats. On February 12th, he began his testimony and he testified that he didn't believe Dahmer was suffering from any mental disease or defect at the time that he committed the crimes. He said, Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victim and to have no witnesses. Mm -hmm. He explained that there was ample evidence that he prepared in advance for the murders. Therefore, his crimes were not impulsive. He did concede in any acquisition of a paraphilia was not a matter of personal choice. He also stated his belief that Dahmer's habit of becoming intoxicated prior to committing each of the murders was significant because he said that if he had a compulsion to kill, he would not have to drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. He had to drink alcohol to overcome his inhibition to do the crime, which he would rather not do. So he was conscious. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an insane man to me. No, it's true because he totally, he planned everything. He made sure how he did things to not get caught. Clearly, it's not a freaking impulse. You're planning what you're doing because that's what you want to do. Exactly. Every kill he did was the same method. So Dietz also noted that he strongly identified with evil and corrupt characters from The Exorcist Three and The Return of the Jedi. Particularly... The level of power held by the characters. Expounding on the significance of these movies, Dahmer's psych and many murders committed on the expert apartments, he explained that Dahmer occasionally viewed the scenes from the films before he searched for a victim. What? So he diagnosed Dahmer with substance use disorder, paraphilia, 
and schizotypal, schiz yeah, schizo personality disorder. I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'm not even. So health professionals testified independently. It was George Palermo and Samuel Friedman. Palermo stated that the murders were a result of a pent-up aggression with himself. He killed those men because he wanted to kill the source of his homosexual attraction to them. And in killing them, he killed what he hated in himself. That I can see. He concluded that Dahmer was a sexual sadist with an antisocial personality disorder, but legally sane. Friedman testified that it was the longing for companionship that caused him to kill. He said, Mr. Dahmer is not psychotic. Amiable, pleasant to be with, courteous, with a sense of humor, conventionally handsome and charming in manner. He was and still is a bright young man. So he diagnosed him with personality disorder, featuring borderline disorder, obsessive compulsive, and sadistic traits. How long do you guys think the trial lasted? Ooh, I'm going to say months. I'm going to say like nine months because that's a lot of evidence and stuff to go through. The trial lasted two weeks. Yeah. On February 14th, the councils delivered their closing arguments to the jury. Wow. The defense attorney argued first. He continued with the testimony of the mental health professionals, you know, mm -hmm. was agreed that Dahmer was suffering from mental disease. Oh, geez. And that his compulsive killings have been a result of a sickness discovered, but not a choose. Like he didn't choose to be that. Mm. Boyle portrayed him as desperately lonely and profoundly sick individual, so out of control he could not conform his conduct anymore. So, February 15, the court reconvened to hear the verdict. He was ruled to be sane, but not suffering from mental disorder at the time of the 15 murders he was tried for. Although, in each count, two of the 12 jurors signified dissent, Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years. And with the remaining 13 counts carrying a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. Whoa. The death penalty was not an option. Get out of here. That's what I was hoping surprise, for. Babe. I know you're disappointed. I was hoping for that. Uh, yeah. Judge Graham couldn't consider the penalty of death because Wisconsin had abolished that capital punishment in 1853. Wow. I'm going to leave it here and I'll tell you the rest on the next episode. Wow. You got I'll leave you with the disappointment of wow. the fact that you did not get this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I surely was expecting death penalty. That's what I was waiting for. You had me waiting three episodes <laughs> to tell me this man get only a couple of life sentences. It's it's preposterous. <laughs> well that's that's the problem with that whole death penalty being abolished. I mean, what's a hundred years plus seventy and all that other stuff? It, it just means you're staying in there for life. That's it. He's never getting out. Wow. But unfortunately, he didn't get what he deserved on this trial. Yep. So what do you guys think? I think I can't wait till next week to hear this, to hear the rest of it. Oh, yeah. I think you're going to be into the last part. I just, I just feel that, um, man, I mean... <sighs> If you if you get an opportunity to and I'm talking about the listeners out there, even you, Matt, to listen to an interview of this guy or, you know, because they, they've done several interviews of him and they also um, uh, or, or the confession tapes. 
I mean, he's so calm and cool and collected. I mean, the guy has zero, zero, um, what's it called? Uh, conscience. I mean, I can't imagine what those investigators saw. And even if I'm in the jury, like which, you know, two weeks is probably too long for them because they had to look at those pictures. You know, yeah. they, uh, that's just, that's something humans shouldn't see. Yeah, know? I totally agree. I imagine it was two weeks because although they had a lot to go through, he confessed completely. So they really didn't have to go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's good for the victims and all. But I mean, that's that's a lot of stuff being thrown at the jurors and to look at and stuff. And that's like, I'd just be like, guilty, man. Get this crap out of my face. Out of here. Send him to jail. Jeez. Wow. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was part three of our Jeffrey Dahmer case. And if you haven't heard the first two episodes, you know where to find us on the True Crime Podcast. Just follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Listen to us on iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and there you can find some of our previous episodes and other recordings that we've done in the past. So with that being said, we're wrapping it up. This is your boy, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator, Gabby, Gabby. And the other host of the show, Todd Fox. And that's a wrap. Toodles. Later.